Welcome to another episode of Ed's Up, sponsored by the Southern Early Childhood Association. Ed's Up is a podcast all about children and those that care for them. Hosted by Dr. Kathy Grace and Dr. Kenya Wolf with the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. Hello, everybody. This is Kathy Grace and Kenya Wolf is with me. We're going to introduce our speaker today or our guest, Adam Allison, in just a few minutes, but we want to just mention that Ed's Up is probably one of the grandest ways for people to listen and hear all kinds of folks involved in early care and education. And Adam has got a story that is just unbelievable. He is president of Appleseed Childhood Education. Adam, we're glad you're with us today. And uh, Kenya's going to start the conversation. Good morning, Adam. I know you've traveled an interesting road to become an activist for your children and other children in your community. Can you tell us your story so that we can kind of marvel at just how the people who have had a vision and seen a need for quality early childhood education have been able to make it a reality, even in your rural community in Indiana, right? Yep. So I I am, uh, so I'm Adam Allison. I'm president um, of Appleseed Childhood Education. I am a farmer. That's that's my day job, right? That is the way that I put food on the table. Um, I grew up in Rensselaer, Indiana, which is about halfway between half. It's halfway between Chicago and Indianapolis. Um, I live on a farm. I'm a farmer. I took over the family farm about ten years ago. It was the best decision of my life, um, and you know. It's a small community. Rensselaer is a small community. So it's a, it's a city of about 5,000 people. Um, and it's very rural. It's very agricultural heavy. Um, however, we are still a place, right? And we are still a community, right? Um, and so I, I got interested or <laughs> became, um, I became cognizant of the fact that communities like Rensselaer um, need high quality early childhood education in our community to survive, right? Um, kind of my, how I kind of got into this is, is my wife's a writer. Um, I'm a farmer. She was working on a book. We had a one-year-old son um, and um, we realized we needed help for care, right? And currently at the time in Rensselaer, there was one licensed child care center. And um, I and my wife, we went and saw it. Um, I had a bunch of preconceived notions about what, what, you know, I'll call it daycare at this point in time, right? I thought of it as effectively glorified babysitting and daycare and all of the sort of negative connotations that go around both of those terms, right? Um, we begrudgingly enrolled our one-year-old son in the one licensed child care center in Rensselaer. And after about two weeks, I was promptly dissuaded of all of the preconceived notions that I had. Um, Our son, who was one, right? He was learning. He was making friends. He had wonderful educators and teachers. And and I became a believer, right? In, in, In what early childhood education is, right? In what quality early learning centers look like. Um, Sadly, uh, that center, the only licensed child care center in Rensselaer, closed in 2018 uh, when our son was about three. Um, and that left a big hole in, 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 you know, personally for our family, but also for our community, 
right, as, as well. Um, we went from having 70 child care seats, licensed care seats in Rensselaer to zero. And in our county went from 70 to zero. Um, after that center closed, um, my wife, Carly, myself, um, the head of the community foundation, Brian Hooker, a couple other people in the community, we started thinking about putting our heads together and saying, how, how do we do this? How, how, do, how do we create, how do we create high quality early learning seats in our rural community? And start thinking about it and having, you know, having, having saying, okay, we know, we know that how, how centers have worked in our area. They don't, they, 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 they cannot survive. Right. And kind of out of these conversations, we, we focused on um, a couple very, very important things. You know, one of them, which is, you know, we all know this, right. Early childhood education centers in rural areas and truthfully in many relatively well, in many urban neighborhoods as well, it's the same issue, right? They don't make money. This is not a business, like it's a business, but it's a business that doesn't make money. Um, that was the first realization we had. Well, the second realization was, you know, and, and this, is, this comes from a group of people that have not necessarily of this space, right? I'm, I'm not of the, I, I am not, right? I'm not either one of you two, right? I am not a, I, I am not traditionally, my career path is not being a childcare provider right, an early learning provider, or a teacher or an educator, right? So one thing that we realized, and we actually realized that it is the linchpin of, of why our centers in, in Jasper County do not survive for long term, is that we do not have the operational expertise to operate licensed early learning facilities appropriately and effectively. And so out of these sorts of conversations, we realized the linchpin is not actually the money side. It sounds kind of odd. It's actually what we needed here was we needed, we needed to bring operational expertise to our geographic area. So out of that realization, we started having conversations and, and actually we formed Apple, Apple Seed Childhood Education. It's a 501c3 nonprofit in January of 2020. Um, that's the worst time to ever start a nonprofit, by the way. Um, that is two months before the pandemic started, right? Um, not, it, it, it's, it's all good. We're good. Not the best time to start one. Um, Appleseed was created. Um, and with that, we started to have, we, we, we ended up ha be having conversations with various experienced um, early learning providers from outside of our area. Um, and we, we very luckily, um, had a part, well, we, we created a partnership um, with an entity called Right Set Child Development Centers out of Lafayette, Indiana, which is about 45 minutes to the south and a couple counties away, um, where, you know, we had this idea that like, hey, if you, if you come, Right Set's provider, if you come to our area and say, you will provide, the day, you will manage the day-to-day -day operations of a center, right? And you will manage also the administrative side, hiring, staffing, and then also, right, do some consulting in order to help this work. We, locally, we will be in charge of the funding of this. Um, and, you know, two years later, um, you know, it's, we're, we're, at, we're at the position that we are going to open a Appleseed in partnership with Right Steps. 
is going to open a high quality early learning center in Rensselaer, Indiana uh, later, in, later this year for 70 children. Um, and we've created many different partnerships locally. Um, we've advocated locally for the need for this, right? From an economic development perspective, from a workforce perspective. And we have, we have a lot of wonderful and great partners in this part of the state. And it's exciting because this is the, this is the, um, this is proof of concept that this can work yeah. from my perspective and our perspective as a board. Well, I had explained to Kenya uh, about what I felt your story was going to be since you and I had already talked about it. And uh, I still just am amazed that you were able to pull these people together. And I think it would help if you would just give us a little background of the time you spent prior to your farming. Because uh, oh. you, you were involved in other things before you came to the farm. Yeah, no. So before I was a farmer, I was a, um, I was a bond, I worked on Wall Street. So I was a bond trader for a large financial firm and lived in New York City, lived in Manhattan. Um, it's really great to live in Manhattan in your mid 20s and being single. It's, there's a lot of freedom that goes with that. And like, um, however, like I, you know, I, I had my midlife crisis when I was about 28. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like, do I want to be doing this the rest of my life? And, I didn't. And, you know, me personally, like the idea of, um, you know, coming back to the town that I grew up in was extremely attractive. Um, and I, you know, truthfully, I love it in Rensselaer. Um, and, you know, the, the other experiences that I've had in my life, um, I, 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 I hope that it has at least made it a little bit Giving me the opportunity to be to th to look at a problem that is like a problem, and it's been a problem here for twenty years in our place, and say, along with other input and other people that that are other creative people that that you know truthfully that care about Rensselaer and care about Jasper County, to say how do we do this differently, and can we do it differently? And if the answer is yeah, they're like yeah, we can. We think we can. Then we can do it right. And um, you know, it's. It's a, it's been a great journey and an interesting journey up to this point. And, you know, like this is a complex problem. It's a complex problem for our place, right? For Rensselaer and Jasper County in Northwest Indiana, but it's a challenge everywhere, right? This is a challenge that isn't, this is a challenge in many rural areas of, of how do we do this? And um, it's not straightforward. And it's also not just throwing, you know, truthfully, it's more than just throwing money at it, right? Like there, there has to be buy-in. I, I have a lot of different thoughts on, on, on all that, but like we can get into those a little bit if you want. But like at the end of the day, like it is not just money, right? There has to be some other infrastructure and some other buy-in and some other coordination in order to make this happen. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm curious about what are some of the lessons then that you've learned from putting this group together and, you know, how did you form a vision, goals, and, and kind of how did it become cohesive? This all kind of comes out of, it comes out of the following. I view, I love where I live and like many other rural areas, right, and other communities, I want the place that I live to survive. That's the baseline. And then also to thrive and to grow, you know, and from a personal perspective, right. I have two kids, three and six. 
I want my kids to have the opportunity to come back and have many of the same type of experiences that I have now, because it's wonderful. It's great. So the idea of increasing the availability of early learning in my place, in our place, you know, it, it comes from a, it comes from a place like my view is that in 2022, we have to, communities like Rensselaer have to have high quality early childhood education available to children and families. One, to keep people here and two, to attract families to our place. And without that, that conversation never starts. So that, that's kind of where this is, that, that's my kind of personal view on, on this. And, but with that, like is saying, okay, like it's also, well, like there's a realization that this is a solvable problem, right? It's, it's trying to say, okay, well, how do we, right? And this is what you know, mentioned before. It's like, how do we get the, how do, how do we bring the expertise to this area? It, you know, and truthfully, like this problem isn't one just for childcare or, or early learning. It's, a, it's an issue for many rural areas in many different, in many different areas. And we wanted to see, hey, could we bring that here? Can we, can we find the operational expertise and say, can we bring it to our area? If we can do that, then the next part of it is, okay, we can be the advocates, we can be the funders, we can be the fundraisers, we can be the champions for what early learning is, right? We can change the conversation about, you know, it's expensive, right? My grandparent will do it or my aunt or uncle will do it. Um, we wanted to change the conversation about what, high, what does high quality early childhood education look like? And then say, and you know, the other part. So I, a big part of this is changing the community is, is having a communication side, because truthfully, up to this point, we haven't had a, we don't have a product right now, right? We don't have a center that's open in Rensselaer that we are the creators of. So, you know, one of the big takeaways from our perspective and from my perspective is that, you know, until until we were able to start framing the conversation about the need for early childhood education, the benefits, and that's benefits from everybody from a child to a family, to employers, to a, to a community, right? So that's everything from, right? 90% of brain development happens before age five, right? All the way to, this is an economic development issue and this is a workforce development issue. This is a labor shortage issue, right? Do we want to, um, you know, here, like many other parts of the country, right, there's labor shortage, right? There's two ways to, to fix that. Actually, two positive ways to fix that. One, we need to attract more people here. Or also, we need, or we need to have ways that people that already live here can enter the workforce. And almost the easiest way to do that is to say, we have high quality education, we have seats available, people can, people who are thinking about entering into the workforce can say, I can trust the place I'm going to leave my child and that they will get a great education and I can go work. It's framing it in various ways and, and saying like, and not trying to say, this is just an education thing, or this is just a, a, well, this is a problem just for those families that have young children, because then it's very quick. You know, people usually say, well, I took care of it. Right. People don't, you know, people who are of a, Yes. Right, that have they, they forget that they forget how hard it is mm -hmm. right and the communication side's been a big thing and 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 changing the way that how how we all talk about it here and saying hey this isn't just education this is a part of all of these other issues that we're all trying to tackle here anyway as a place that's one of the big takeaways we've had well 
as you know, we have been very fortunate to get a large sum of money invested in early care and education across the country, and various states have various amounts of funds that they now can access, and depending on how the state chooses to use the money, uh, that varies somewhat. And you've mentioned, and I appreciate the fact that you said you just can't throw money at it, that it's bigger than that. Yeah. Do you see any role for decision makers at the state or local level as far as how they can review the guidelines or the, mm-hmm. the, the potential barriers to access for some folks to have the high quality program? Uh, even if you have it there, as you've just described so wonderfully as how it's how you went through the process to get it built or that you're building it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure you've come across some of the things that have uh, maybe frustrated you or caused you to scratch your head uh, in terms of what could be changed or what could be improved uh, just from a state or local level. So I, I view that question in two different. So I can, I can break it out from, I guess, my view or my thought on this is we break it in two different ways. So you have, you know, you have the local side and then you have the state and federal side. Money doesn't get to rural areas from state or federal governments in Indiana and probably a bunch of other states. So, and one, and we, that has been an assumption that we have been under since the beginning of this. So we view this as a predominantly a local issue and a local, a, a, a problem that can be solved from the funding side that can be solved locally. So with that, with the advocacy side and, and with the communication side that I mentioned, the real end goal of that is to, right, is to get financial buy-in, right, from local governments, um, from, in, from the large local employers, from private individuals, from community, you know, in Indiana, their community foundations or United Ways, right, to say, we have a model, right, we've, we've, we have this thing, right, but it costs money. And the question we ask is, right, it's, it's two, I guess it's, it ends up being three, a set of three questions. One of them, do we want our place to survive? Everybody says yes, because we all live here, right? Because we, we care about the place. Second question is, do you believe that, there, that the shortage of, of early learning opportunities in Rensselaer and Jasper County is a, is a issue, right, to growth in our community? And the answer is yes, right? And, and especially what's happened in the last two years, that answer is yes. So then the third question is, is are we willing to, are we willing collectively, right? Both collectively, which then also means large employers, local governments, individuals, community foundations, other nonprofit organizations locally. Are we all willing to come together and help partially fund, right? Individually, partially and collectively, we fund this thing, which is effectively a public good. And, you know, we've had that happen here. Like, like we've we have had buy-in from from both uh, city of Rensselaer government as well as as county government as well, and we have buy-in from large employers, right? Our um, you know the our partner from a facility, our partner from a facility perspective is the largest health network in Northwest Indiana. We've had financial contributions from some of the largest employers, and and I expect there to be more of that. You know, we have people have bought into the idea. So that's the local side, right? So it, it, it's a local problem that has to be solved locally. 
So going from this, you know, then going through the, the state, you know, and federal side, right, and the policy side, I, I, I would hope that state and federal policymakers um, recognize the unique challenges of providing care in rural areas. And truthfully, I, I, I don't know how true that is right now. And because it is, a, it's a, but also, I will also say that it is not a specifically a rural issue. The challenges that we face in Rensselaer to do this are the exact same challenges that um, exist on the east side of Indianapolis, right? I actually had a call with an, with, with an individual who's, who's trying to create a, that last week had a call, you know, trying to create an early childhood education center and trying to figure out how to fund it and how to do all this stuff. You know, and, and his, he's a pastor and his church is on the east side of Indianapolis. And the challenges are exactly the same. <laughs> like this isn't, the challenge is, is that what do we do with, with relatively low income areas and how do we solve this? In Indiana, one of the big things for the last few years has been quality, right? And I, I understand it. I understand that when we have these things, they're, they're, quality is extremely important, right? The center we're going to open in Rensselaer will be a nationally accredited right, center, right? It, that, that is what's going to happen, right? We are going to have high quality early childhood education in Rensselaer. I understand, I understand the focus on quality. However, there's vast swaths and vast populations in Indiana that quality doesn't matter if the capacity isn't there. And I, I would hope that, um, you know, so off that, I, I would hope that state and federal, you know, policymakers start to get creative about how do we, how do we increase that capacity? And, that, and that's not doing it by just throwing money at it, right? Because I know enough about what happens locally if you just throw money at stuff. And, and I, I imagine both of you have, a, have seen, you know, tragically many different well-meaning groups, probably very close to Appleseed, right? That, that have this thing. And then after year five, they close. And that's sad, but I also don't think it has to be that way. And I think there's, I think there are creative policy solutions around getting some of this, you know, a, around that issue. And it's just the willingness to um, identify and recognize that issue and then say, hey, that, you know, truthfully, we're all taxpayers, right? <laughs> well, one of the things that I love from listening to you and also from reading your articles that you've written recently is that you're so hopeful and you convey that, you know, you mentioned that you opened your nonprofit in the worst time. Uh, and we know that this is one of the most dire times for uh, early care and for children in general, uh, as we've seen, you know, these last few years. Um, with mental health and other things. So as we examine kind of our roles in early childhood as part of the recovery process, um, how do you see yourself as doing that? In my place, we're going to have early childhood education and we have a replicable model that, that has been, right, the same model has been used two other times here in our area. Appleseed, will, we expect as a strategic organization, from, from strategically for our organization, we are going to, we want to replicate in this, this model and other small communities in our area. It doesn't have to be hard. And truthfully, like one thing that I've noticed, educators, people that are in this space are doing yeoman's work. You don't get paid for it. It's, it's a bunch of hooey and that needs to change, right? 
and we all need to, and, but also be proud about what you do. Like we all need to be proud about doing all this stuff because like it is, I also have a three and six year old, right. And I see it every day. And it's like, it is the most important time. Everyone that is in this space, keep your head up, keep it held high actually. Right. Like, because you're doing the, you're, you're doing awesome work and you know, there are people, you know, from my perspective, there are people in places that recognize that. And the, the amount of those people that are recognized, recognizing what early childhood education is and what are the people that are involved in it and they're actually doing it every day, that, that respect is going up every day. From my perspective, I see it. And so be hopeful, right? And like, this doesn't have to all be, it, it's hard, but it is hard, right? And I do know it's hard. It's hard for us too, right? It's been two years and it's been very difficult and hard to get to the point that we are now. And I expect that it will be hard to continue to go down this path, you know, but it's worth it, right? And um, it's good. It's good. And I am hopeful. I am hopeful. And um, the winds are changing, I think, in these around, around early learning and what it means. And I think there's more people all the time that are, understand what it means. And who knows what the future looks like. Well, you've certainly made us hopeful in the sense that there are people like you in rural communities that will take your lessons and will also, uh, I'm sure, develop their own models, hopefully along the way that you, you have. Uh, but we really appreciate you taking time with us to share all of this. Uh, it's a wonderful story, and the best part of it is that it's not even over and won't be over for many years to come, and that should give you a lot of satisfaction that this is going to be something that is a life-changing opportunity for lots of children and the change within your community as well. So we, again, appreciate you so much being with us. And uh, I'd just like to ask Kenya if you have any other questions or if, Adam, you have anything else you'd like to say to us that we haven't covered. Well, I just I feel energized and inspired by your story. So I just want to thank you. Oh, thank you. No, um, learn more about what we're doing here at AppleseedChildedEducation.org. Follow us on Facebook, Appleseed Childhood Education. Well, again, we thank you so much for your time and good luck and good luck on the farm, too. Ah, thank you. Thank you for joining us today for Ed's Up. If you have an early education topic you'd like to discuss, let us know about it at edsup at olemiss.edu. The Ed's Up podcast is a production of the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. The views and opinions of podcast participants are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the university, its employees, or any affiliated entity.